listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Thank you for joining us again today as we let the Bible speak. We're studying the first letter of Paul to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and the verse number 11. Paul says to Timothy, These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Amen. Let's ask for God's help as we consider his word today. The eternal God, our Father in heaven, we thank you again for the word of God that speaks to your souls. And we pray for help and grace now, and that we would carefully consider what your word says and seek to apply it in our lives. We pray for those who, who know thee, who have that desire to serve. We pray that the word of God would edify. And perhaps for some who are afar off, still in their sins, may the word of God indeed have an impact upon their lives today, that they would come to know and love the Saviour. In Jesus' name, amen. The primary focus of the pastor epistles, of course, apply to the man of God. They are written to Timothy and Titus, who were both ministers of the word, leaders in local churches. Now, as we've studied these letters, I've sought to broaden the application, but only after giving consideration to what it means to the pastor. You hear the words of chapter 4 and verse 6, where Paul says to Timothy, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Paul is here instructing Timothy as the servant of God, the servant of Christ, the servant of Christ's church. There is profound application to all men of God. And if you're listening to this today and you're a pastor of a local church, may the Lord indeed instruct and help your heart as you seek to live for God. I've certainly sought to apply these verses in my own life and ministry. But in verse 11 and following, we do see the application is directed to Timothy. Timothy, Paul is saying, these things command and teach. Timothy, Paul is saying, let no man despise thy youth. Paul is saying to Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in thee. Paul is showing very direct lessons with Timothy, his son, in the faith. Yet, as Paul teaches Timothy, he shows all of us that the pastor's conduct has a tremendous and a very direct implication on the souls of those under his care. Verse 16 says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. 
Now, we will need to explain that verse. But however we come to explain it, we must not explain it away. Paul is telling Timothy, your conduct has a direct consequence on the salvation of your hearers. We believe that salvation is of the Lord. And yet at the same time, we know that the Lord uses human instrumentality. He uses the means of preachers and pastors. And he's showing us here in this verse that the conduct of those preachers and pastors has a direct implication on the eternal well-being of those under their care. Just in passing, please note that the congregation are described in this term as them that hear thee. The congregation is marked as those who sit under the word of God. They are attentive and have a desire to hear the word of God. And I think such a description is far removed from the present reality in many churches. Churches have very little to do with the preaching of the word. And therefore the congregations are marked by many things, but not by a readiness to hear the word of the living God. But as you contemplate verse 16 and the lessons of Paul to Timothy, you see that it really matters what church you go to and it really matters what happens in that church. For some people, they are content with religion. If I'm going to a church, it matters little what that church is like. Well, we are seeing here that is entirely untrue. It matters who is in leadership in the church. It matters the content of the teaching of the church. It matters very much for the eternal well-being of the congregation. The pastor must be faithful to the church. And the people must be faithful to the church. Not to the church itself, but only as long as the church is faithful to the Lord. It is our faithfulness to the Lord that governs our faithfulness in the local church. It is very wrong to be faithful to a church more than to the Lord, to be part of a local assembly that has turned away from the Lord, and yet we ourselves may feel that we continue to follow with the Lord. Now, if we have come to know and love Christ, then we will take the matter of his local church very seriously, and we will realize that the local church has a tremendous importance in our lives. So what are we to think about in these verses what are we to think about as we assess church life? What what rules will govern how we assess the health of the church of which we're a part? Well, first of all, let me begin with something that is that is very personal. That as a minister of the Word of God, I want to tell you that the character of the minister matters. The character of the pastor is of great importance. Just as it matters what happens in your church, so it matters who your minister is, or rather, it matters what he is. It is apparent that Timothy's adherence to Paul's teaching here will impact those who hear. Not only will he save himself, he will save them that hear him. Let me observe just three very simple points regarding the character of the minister. First of all, he must be gifted. Paul says to Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in thee. The sense of this verse is that this gift comes from God. But as it comes from God, so it is recognized by the church. It is the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. What you're seeing here is that the gift comes from God. And in Timothy's case, it seems that this gift was confirmed supernaturally by some word of prophecy. I, I recall that 
This concept of prophecy is a foundational aspect of the New Testament church, and such a gift is not present in the church today. What we're seeing here in this verse, that the gift is given to Timothy by God, and at that time that was confirmed by prophecy, and also confirmed by the presbytery, by the group of elders, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. This text is where we get the concept of ordination from today. Paul would say to Timothy in the second letter, chapter 1, verse 6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stirred up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. We follow such a model as we examine candidates for the ministry. But the point I want to make in your hearing today is that the character of the minister must at least in part be marked by giftedness. We often say that God does not require ability, but availability. And whilst that is true, those who are called by God are equipped by God. They're gifted by God. Those who follow Christ are made by Christ to be fishers of men. Ungifted men damage churches. Elders must be apt to teach. In other words, they they must show some level of proficiency. Now, it is important that we are careful as to the level of gifts we require. The local church pastor may not be as gifted as the celebrity pastor might be in some radio broadcast. But we find that there must be a level of giftedness that is required in every local church. I'm very conscious that uh, the giftedness will vary. That there is a desire within every man of God to know more of the gift that God would give. But there must be some level of giftedness for the well-being of the church. He must be gifted, but he must also be godly. Verse 16 says, Take heed unto thyself. Hence Paul can say in verse 12 that Timothy is to be an example of the believers. Matthew Henry says that those who teach by their doctrine must teach by their life, else they pull down with one hand what they build up with the other. God the godly Robert Murray McShane of Dundee uh, said this, It is not great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. And of course, using that word awful, he means awesome. He means a tremendously powerful weapon in the hand of God. McShane also said that the greatest need of my people is my own holiness. In Second Timothy chapter 2, Paul will remind Timothy of this concept. And he will say that if a man purge himself from false doctrine and from sin, then he shall be a vessel unto honour sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. The need of holiness is paramount. As the man of God is assessed, as he assesses himself and as others assess his ministry, is the man of God a holy man? Is he suitable for the use of the master? And though Timothy was young, and in the counting of that time, when Paul says, let no man despise thy youth, he's likely thinking of 40 as that which is of a greater age, less than 40, was to be youthful. And though Timothy is less than 40, he was to be respected. You see, by the way, the way to ensure people don't look down upon you is to ensure they look up to you with the godliness of your character. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. People will despise you unless they see in your life a character, a man of God. And so this Servant of Jehovah, this man of God must be 
gifted and must be godly. And he must also be given. We have that in verse number 15. Give thyself wholly to them. In other words, the man of God is to be wholly committed to the task. He must be a man under authority. He must be one who knows that Christ is the one head of the church and what Christ says that he must do. He must be given. He must be given to use his lips to teach the word of God. These things command and teach. He is given to live his life as an example to the people of God. Give thyself to be an example of the believers. He is given to exercise leadership in the church of God. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Here's a man of God who will listen to the Lord and do this. He will do what the Lord commands. And so as we think about the local church, the character of the minister as taught here by Paul is of great importance. Men who are gifted, godly, and are wholly given to the work of God. Uh, Let me just pause and ask you again to please to pray for your pastor. Uh, Pray also that God would raise up such men in our day, men of character and integrity, who would lead the work of God forward. And so as you think about the importance of the character of the minister, uh, let me also point out to you some matters about the content of the meeting. Again, I remind you that Paul is showing us that these matters really do matter. It is important that these things are paid heed to. In the content of church meetings, what matters fundamentally is the word of God. The Bible must be central. Now, Paul is not saying that there is no need for singing or sacraments, but he is telling Timothy, make sure you make the Bible central. The word of God is to be read audibly. Till I come, give attendance to reading. Paul is speaking here of reading that is involved in the public reading of the word of God. As we find the Lord doing in the synagogues, so we are to follow that example in our local churches, that as we gather together, we are to hear the public reading of the word of God. Sadly, in many churches, time is of great importance. The service cannot be too long. And so there is so much else that will fill the meeting that the Bible readings may be absent or kept very short. But Paul is telling us here that the public reading of the Word of God is of tremendous importance. You ought to be in a church where the Word of God is read audibly. Not just a little verse here or there, but there is an emphasis. This book governs our life and it governs governs what we believe. And so the Word of God is central in church life. That word that is read audibly must be taught correctly. Timothy is to give himself to doctrine, speaks of the matter of teaching. Now, we have already thought much in this series of the importance of good doctrine. But in simple terms, the sermon must be centrally Bible. Illustrations will be used, but the sermon will never be a story with a Bible text tagged on. The Bible will be taught expositionally. There will be a desire for the Word of God to be explained, to be uh, given in such a way that the people understand that this book matters and what it says is of first importance. Paul will say to Timothy again in the second letter, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. The Bible, the Word of God taught correctly. And then also that word 
that is applied faithfully. Paul says to Timothy, these things command. He also says in verse number 13 that he has to give himself to exhortation. Oh, the Bible comes with a word of command. That word speaks of giving direction or orders. The teaching elders is is duty-bound to command at times, but to command from the word of God. And as they command from the word of God, so they will exhort, they will comfort, they will encourage. The Bible will not be an abstract book, but will be faithfully applied to the life of the hearer. These are the things that you should want and expect in your local church service. You should come to church wanting Bible, Bible and more Bible. It ought to be the Bible that is of the first importance when you come through the door. You want to know what is the Lord going to say to my soul today? That as we meet to worship him, we understand that an aspect of that worship, indeed central to that worship, is sitting under the word of God with a submissive heart. But there is one more thing that should be apparent in the church. And that is that your personal manner of life matters in the local church. And whilst we have seen the character of the minister and the content of the meeting, we must also observe the consequence of the message. I want to return to this issue of Timothy as an example to the people of God. By his example, as well as through his doctrine, Timothy was to show the church that the gospel changes lives and that Christ the Saviour is also Lord and that good doctrine will always produce good living. It's sad that I have to reiterate this point week by week, but we believe that Christ the Saviour came and shed his blood to secure our forgiveness of sins. But in the shedding of his lifeblood, he also secured freedom from the power of sin, so that those who come to know the Lord, they show their knowledge of God in the living that is produced by the Spirit of God in their lives. There were those that Paul would address in Titus chapter 1 who profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. Rather, in Titus chapter 2, the man of God is in all things to show himself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, in teaching, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now, a good church will not be full of perfect people. People who think they are perfect make very bad church members. But a good church will be marked by people who hate sin and love holiness and know that how they live is as vital as what they believe. And so in this instruction to Timothy regarding his example, Paul highlights six things. An example in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Paul is telling Timothy, this is what godly leadership is to look like. As we consider it together, you will see that this is so unlike the leaders of the world. The godly pastor is to lead by example, and people are to take their lead from the man of God, not from those who lead in the world, but those who lead in the word, in the word of God. Of course, such a man of God will live their life as Christ lived, and Christ himself lived his life according to the word of God. It is the word of God that is the rule of faith and practice for the man of God. 
But as the man of God would live in this world, so they are to live as an example. And their example is to be such that the people would follow their example. And in following their example, so they would follow Christ. Each of these characteristics are reflections of Christ. Christ being formed in the life of the man of God. Now, as we summarize them very quickly, let me group them into matters of speech, matters of action, and matters of the heart. In practical terms, Paul highlights the words and the actions in conversation and in word, and also that those things are governed by the spiritual charity, spirit, faith, and purity. Our words are to be Christ-like. Our communication is to be marked by truth and grace, not by slander or gossip, not words that are harsh or cruel. Paul would say to the, the believers in Ephesus, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. The challenge of the tongue is a challenge that James addresses in chapter 3 of his letter. It is a challenge to govern our words, but we must do so. Our words must be led by the Spirit of God. That our words are not marked by the sins of words, slander, gossip, cruelty, but rather they're marked by grace. They are Christ-like words that are true and gracious. Very often we speak and then want to take it back. Oh, How often that also applies in the realm of social media. We may say something uh, with the press of a button, and we want to take it back, but it's too late. The words have been spoken. May we have godly leaders who know how to control their words. May we also have godly leaders who know what it is to have a walk that is Christ-like. Paul tells Timothy, be an example in word and in conversation. Now, that word in our authorized version is the general term for way of life. 1 Peter 2 verse 12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they may speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Paul is telling Timothy that it matters how you live. Even in the ordinary course of life, the man of God must be a man of integrity. Whatever he does, he does so as the servant of Christ. Wherever he is, whatever he does, he's marked by godliness of conversation. Be an example, Timothy, says Paul, in word and in conversation. And then Paul highlights four other areas that really have to do with the heart, the the inner man. And as that inner man is informed, as that inner man is led by the Spirit of God, so they then are an example to others, even in terms of their inner characteristics. They are to be an example in charity, love. And the thought here is especially, I believe, for the love of God's people. As a servant of Christ, Timothy is to love those under his care. As Christ loved his church, so Timothy is to love Christ's church. He is to exemplify Christ's sacrificial love, to love not just with words, but in deed and in truth. He is to be an example also in spirit. I don't think the reference here is to the Holy Spirit, although, of course, any man of God can only do this by the power of the Spirit of God. John Calvin makes the point that this reference to Spirit is likely a reference to ardor or zeal or commitment. 
Paul is telling Timothy to live a spiritual life from the heart, such that can be seen in a wholehearted Christian life, like Caleb in the Old Testament, who wholly followed the Lord. And of course, Caleb's name, which means whole heart. And so Timothy is a man like Caleb, who is wholehearted in all that he does for the glory of God. He is to be a man who is an example in faith. He is one who is to trust in the living God. And that internal trust will be seen in his actions in the world. He is to be a man of confidence in the things of God. How do we see faith? Well, we see faith in a man who rests in God's providence, who does not grumble at times of difficulty, who is not marked by unbelief, but understands that though the way may be hard, God's way is the best way, and the God of sovereignty rules his affairs for the well-being of his people. And so the man of God is to live by faith, live by faith in God, trusting in God's providence and relying on God's grace. The man of God is to show by example that he depends upon God. He's a man of faith, a man of prayer. This is the sort of men that we need in our churches and in our world today. Men of example in terms of their words, their conversation and in their heart. Charity, in spirit, in faith and finally in purity. I think the issue here is fundamentally that of sexual purity. Paul tells Timothy, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Oh, how sexual impurity destroys a man's ministry, how it destroys churches, how it destroys the honour of Christ. Timothy is serving in Ephesus, a place that is profligate. And so today it is vital that God's people are an example of purity, that they beware the evils of this age. How we need men of God who will live such lives. Men of God who will be faithful to the commission that has been given by the Lord. I trust that you see from this study the importance of church life, the importance of the character of the man of God, the importance of of the content of the church meeting and the consequence of that message in your life that you by God's grace as those who are forgiven those who are cleansed in Christ's blood that you be marked by godliness in word and conversation and charity in spirit and faith and in purity may God bless his word to your soul today Amen Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.